Could the age-old art of storytelling be the key to effective community engagement? We walk out of there always feeling like, holy crap, this is just the best job ever because we are touching people who frequently feel like they've been just completely forgotten and helping them understand that they matter, their voice matters, we care about them. For my whole career, I've worked to try and push out information, to give people things and ask mm-hmm. them to absorb it. Yeah. And this project flips that on its head. My, my premise now is we need to hear people. We need to listen to them. And maybe, maybe, maybe down the road, they will want to hear from us. On this episode of SAS Talk with Kim, we talk with the city of Denver's chief storyteller about the power of stories to open up two-way conversations with community members. Welcome to SAS Talk with Kim, your sustainability action series podcast highlighting how local governments are leading the way toward a more sustainable future. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren. I've spent the last 16 years working for and with local governments to help them create resilient, inclusive, thriving communities. I started this podcast series to connect you with the key people on the ground putting sustainability into action in their communities. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to SAS Talk with Kim. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren, and I'm really excited today to have a very interesting person on the line with us who has a very interesting job that I think a lot of our uh, listeners will be super excited to learn more about. Uh, You know, of course, here at KOA, we talk a lot about storytelling and how important it is for our communities to be telling their stories and engaging folks through storytelling. And so we're really excited today to have Rowena Alegria from the city and county of Denver as their chief storyteller. Tell us more about that, Rowena. How are you today? <laughs> I'm fabulous. And isn't that the best title ever? <laughs> it is the best title ever. You know, it's so funny you say that. I'm always looking for creative titles for my team and I. And, you know, right now I just have the boring CEO, but I want to be chief storytellers. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell us, what does a chief storyteller do? Well, in this case, I run the Office of Storytelling, and um, that is a a new concept for Denver. We just launched officially in April of this year, but um, we did a bit of a pilot last fall uh, to get this project off the ground. But the goal is to give voice to underrepresented populations and to literally change the history of the city and county of Denver to better represent the population here and the and the people who have been contributing to the city from the very beginning. That's amazing because, you know, it's it's a clear need that all of our communities, large and small, have right now. And, and it's certainly been a challenge that we're trying to engage some of those communities that haven't previously been maybe as involved, whether it's in a planning process or just civic engagement throughout the communities. And, you know, using storytelling as a way to reach out to them is very interesting and unique. And so what was the overall kind of impetus for this? Well, it began when I was in the mayor's office as his chief communications officer. And, you know, in that role, I was meeting in community all the time. We were dealing with contemporary issues, legacy issues. Um, one of the issues that, that we were talking to folks about was the, the Ferguson verdict. Uh, we had many students walk out from East High School here in Denver um, upset about what was happening in the criminal justice system. So 
you know, we mobilized and the mayor said, we're going to go talk to these students. And of course, once we talked to them, there were several other folks who wanted to talk to us and we wound up going out and doing, I don't know. And I think the first round we did something like 40 different meetings in community to hear from folks. Um, and I noticed way back then that people had stories and I was, I would walk out of the room feeling like, wow, that was impactful. It's too bad we weren't sharing that story somehow. And, and that was sort of the seed for this project. Um, and then when the, the mayor's first term ended, my husband passed away and I just couldn't work 24 hours a day anymore. So I moved over to the Agency for Human Rights and Community Partnerships and the mayor gave me um, a task, a couple of tasks. And one of them was um, to find new strategies for reaching particularly underserved populations. So I, I tried several things. And, and one of the things that we did was a, a project called Denver Talks. And that was where we invited the whole city through an NEA big read grant, but we sort of did it on steroids. We invited everybody to read Claudia Rankin's Citizen, an American Lyric, which is to me, a, a masterwork in what is racial microaggression, uh, what is personal bias, how does it affect people um, who are facing it and who live in, in that society. Um, we not only invited them to read the book, but we invited them to join us in facilitated conversations. So folks would come in and, and we would have conversations about personal bias and about racial microaggressions. and we we created all of these icebreakers thinking these are really going to be tough conversations. And then we got there and discovered that by and large, we didn't need very many icebreakers, that people came and they had stories they wanted to tell. So again, I was thinking, well, how, what do I do with these stories? Um, I already was a, a huge fan of Humans of New York and had told the mayor I was interested in doing something like that, but calling it I Am Denver. And then I met uh, Chief Storyteller of Detroit, Aaron Foley, and talked to him about the project that he's doing, which is different than, than what we're doing. They um, essentially use their cable franchise funding to run uh, a news organization on behalf of the city telling positive stories about the neighborhoods of Detroit. Um, I've looked into our cable franchise agreements and they aren't structured quite the same way. And I didn't want to do quite the same thing anyway, but I, I put those pieces together and I went to the mayor and said, what if we did, um, it's a, it's a multifaceted citywide community storytelling project. And so what we proposed was that we would establish the office of storytelling and bring on uh, permanent staff in the city who would be charged with collecting stories um, as well as hosting storytelling labs uh, throughout the city. And the, the storytelling labs are um, based on the Denver Talks model where we go out into community, we invite folks to come in and tell their stories. Uh, the difference with this one is um, we do conversations that help them figure out what their Denver story is, and then we give them the opportunity to record that story, either via video, via audio, or they can um, take a portrait and write a few lines of their story, and then we share them on our website and on the city's social media accounts. Um, but we also have a, a team of storytellers who go out 
and tell stories of the people of Denver. And, and some of them are historic and some of them are contemporary, but the, the overarching goal is to look at the, the scope of the city and uh, particularly the city's history and, and even the city's uh, current news environment and where are the stories that aren't being told, where are the voices that aren't being heard, and how do we amplify those? How do we find them and, and make sure that um, those voices get heard and that the city's history is augmented with the, the voices that we're filling in the gaps in our city's history by telling those stories? So with your storytelling labs, and I kind of, I love this concept where you're going around and I know there's stories coming from the libraries and, and things like that. Is mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. is there typically a theme or is, are you just, you know, do, do people come in thinking, what am I going to talk about? You know, do, you know, I love how it's framed the I am Denver, but do people just come in knowing what they want to talk about? Does your, do your storytellers give them guidance? It's both. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we have folks who, who come in and they know exactly the story they want to tell and they can't wait to get in front of the camera and tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, for other folks who just come in and they don't, they don't really know, they're just intrigued by the idea and they're not even quite sure what to expect because we're a new project and nobody's ever done this before. Um, so for those folks and for, every, for all of the people who come to our labs, um, we, we, we host them with partners. And so, for example, we have done a number with the Denver Public Library. Um, we have lots of partners with, you know, Lighthouse Writers Workshop, uh, with Denver Center for the Performing Arts, History Colorado, on and on. Um, we, we coordinate with them first and foremost to figure out, you know, is this a particular audience? Do we have a particular thing that we want to talk about or um, is there something specific that, you know, we know these folks want to talk about and then we'll frame the exercises it's like a little workshop at the beginning of the, the storytelling labs. Um, we do a little bit of inspirational exercise and then help them find their story, fine tune their story, and then offer them the opportunity to, to record that if they like. Um, this is a community engagement project. So, if people come and they're content to interact with new folks and, and make some new friends and tell some stories and then they want to just go, that's okay with us. Um, we are happy when they want to record and the majority of people do um, once they've gone through our little workshop and then they go and they, they tell stories and sometimes they respond to the prompts that we've given them um, or the exercises that we've done. And sometimes they just, tell a story that's on their heart or that they've been wanting to tell for, for whatever reason. Um, for example, we did a storytelling lab in a library a couple weeks ago, and one of the attendees um, was a woman who was living in a halfway house. She'd just gotten out of prison. Her kids had been taken away. She had been living on the street and was experiencing drug addiction, and she had lots of issues, but she was on the road back and really working hard to get her life back together. And she had an incredibly powerful story to tell about, you know, what it was to live on the street, what it was to deal with all of that. And, you know, she came in knowing exactly what story she wanted to tell. And while she went through the exercises with us and all of that, she got in front of the camera and she talked about what she had experienced and talked about what she was trying to do moving forward. Um, and, and this is this is one of those times when 
we were so impacted by the story that she told that we'll follow up with her Mm -hmm. and do a larger interview and get at a larger topic. Um, In fact, I met this morning with a a local newspaper and nonprofit organization called The Voice, and they work with people who are experiencing homelessness. And we were strategizing for an upcoming lab, for what kind of bigger project we could do around that topic in Denver um, to, to kind of look at how it's changed and, and how it's evolved and what the situation is and what resources are and some personal stories. Um, that, that'll be something that we're going to tackle in 2020. And we'll circle back to the woman who came to the lab to make sure that we incorporate that powerful voice in that story. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. It's really interesting mm-hmm. to think that you're able to, you know, like you said, this woman just came in. You had no idea that she was necessarily coming, right? And she had this great story to tell. And now there's opportunities to connect her with resources and, and other people and let her help others uh, learn from her experience and, and inspire them. And that's really amazing. Um, exactly, so- exactly. And that's that's a benefit to the city too. Um, yes. Another example that we're, we're working on, um, one of my colleagues at the city, he used to be the housing director and then his son was a victim of suicide and he was just 15. And so his dad took some time off of work and reevaluated his life, came back and told the city, you know, I just can't do that work anymore. I, I really need to do suicide prevention work. So they moved him over to DDPHE and he, he started doing DDP, the public health and environment uh, for the city. And he started working with the state and working with lots of different organizations on a peer-to-peer PSA campaign, kids talking to other kids about um, suicide and signs to watch for and all that kind of stuff. Well, when he told me the story, I sent my team out to interview him. And we, it happened that he was doing an event with the state. We got a camera out there. We, we don't cover news, but we do B-roll and we like to show people in action. So we, we sent somebody out who, who did the interview, who, who got the B-roll for this, and then put a story together that incorporated that kind of newsy element of it, um, told his story, got pictures of his son, um, talked about you know his motivation and, and what he's doing. And then we included some of the PSAs, you know, just clips from them. We included the suicide hotline number. And when we launch the story on November 4th, we will also include resources um, and and, and links to those PSAs so that, you know, in addition to um, reacting to what's happening in our community, we are making sure that that the resources that the city brings to bear and, and other organizations, our partner organizations in particular, we are including and, and linking folks um, to those resources. It's super exciting. It's, it's a whole new way of engaging community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And oh gosh, I have so many follow-up questions I want to be diving into here. <laughs> There's so much great information. I mean, this is exactly what folks have been, you know, community, local governments need to be doing. And um I want to learn more first before we dive into the how. Um, I want to keep going with the what a little bit more. And so in the storytelling labs, you mentioned that you do these workshops. And so you're kind of providing a Mm -hmm. training for folks. Would you just give us a little bit of details of of what that involves? 
Sure. So um, we bring folks in and we try to make them feel really comfortable. We, you know, um, choose places that are that are friendly, that have try to find decent parking and all that kind of stuff. We offer snacks and drinks and give them notebooks and pens. Um, we introduce everybody on the team, explain what the project is. We even put together a video that goes through the steps of a lab, how it works. Um, but we, we play that video for them. We talk about the project, um, give them an idea of what to expect. And then uh, our partners from Lighthouse Writers Workshop and from the Denver Center for the Performing Arts, um, they come in and they offer uh, uh, an inspirational type of exercise. For example, um, one of one of our favorites, uh, Lighthouse likes to do a, a poet, Susie Q. Smith. She she likes to do this exercise where she asks folks to think about and describe Denver through the five senses. And it's you know it's a group exercise. She'll say you know well, what does Denver smell like, and then everybody just shouts out what Denver smells like. And we go through all five senses, and by the end, we've essentially created a a, a living poem. And she'll read it out in that way, like a poem. Um, and invite people to, you know, if they're stuck when they're trying to figure out what their story is, to feel free to pull words or or thoughts from from that kind of poem that we as a as a group created. Um, that's that's one example. And then we do give them prompts, um, and some of them are, you know, about personal stories. Some of them are about the neighborhood. Some of them are about home. What does home look like to me? Or somebody I admire. That they, they, they vary and. Um, we try to target them in the moment. So if we have a group, for example, we recently did a series of labs with Kavod Senior uh, Center and the Denver Housing Authority in Denver Housing Properties. So we went in with these folks who live in the, prop in the properties, and most of them were in the aging community, invited them in for a lab. And um, Kavod had warned us that we might face some semi-literate audiences. We hadn't faced that before, so I don't think we quite understood what that meant, but we got there and realized that, you know, there were 20 people in the room and we were dealing with four different languages and we could cover two and a half of those. And we were kind of, you know, just having to make do with the other one. Um, but, but we went in and, had to kind of throw out what we thought we were going to do and instead uh, really change the exercises. Um, my colleague and I, we, we literally wound up going table to table and doing very quick interviews and writing the lines for folks um, because in that one, we didn't do the video and the audio. We were doing the photo stories. It was just the portraits and, the, and a few lines and, and we had to just adapt. So that's, I mean, that's just an example of the the kind of thing that we're doing, it, it really it changes with every single community. Every single time we go in, we feel like it's a test and we don't know what we're going to encounter. We don't know who's going to be in the room, but we're going to do everything we can to make them feel comfortable and help them find a story. That's awesome. Um, and so you keep talking about the we and your team of storytellers. So how big is your department? And very specifically, I mean, your background, of course, was communications and, and being the communications person in journalism. In journalism, right? So mm -hmm. that's a, that's a natural mm -hmm. fit. Do you does your team of storytellers have other backgrounds that are complementary and valuable? Um, I mean, obviously they're valuable, but something specific that 
you know, maybe a typical mm-hmm. local government staff person doesn't have? And then are these paid team members? Yes. So there's, there's a couple facets I want to talk about. One is my paid team and then one is my partner team. Um, so my paid team, uh, it's myself and I have, I, I had a whole career in journalism before I became the mayor's communications director. Um, but my team is um, another, she's my right hand. Her name is Roxana Soto. She is a, a multimedia journalist. She's done everything from um, traveling all over the world, covering stories for Univision, to um, working in print, to doing social media, uh, well, she does social media, but, you know, producing websites, she's written a book, um, she's highly skilled, completely bilingual individual. And then I also have two, um, what we call in the industry mojos, um, mobile journalists. So they're editor, producer, photographer, interviewer, everything. They go out and um, they help us at the labs. They record the stories. Um, they go out and, and create stories. We'll send them out. They, you know, establish the interview, uh, go out and conduct the interview. They record the interview. Um, they come back and they produce the, the pieces and, you know, put them up on on the city's various platforms and, uh, you know, write content that goes with them and we have an editing process and all those go up. So that's the core team. And those are permanent paid staff positions. Um, but we also have uh, a, a strong partnership with Denver Marketing and Media Services. Um, they're, of course, the uh, agency in the city that does, you know, records city council meetings and um, the mayor's press conferences and, you know, helps the city with marketing campaigns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we work very closely with them um, to create the the pieces that we do and to run them on the, the city's social media accounts. We don't have our own social media. Um, we use City and County of Denver, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So we, we're working hand-in-hand hand with them to uh, coordinate on all of that. But then we also have... Um, a lot of community partnerships um, and that those we have some core partners that we work with all the time like Denver Public Library um, and then we have partners that we'll just partner on a lab with them or we'll partner on uh, a story with them um, but they bring they, they, I mean, exponentially our resources grow um, through these partnerships and we figure out ways where we help them uh, give voice to their communities or, you know, they're, they're celebrating a 50th anniversary and we, we do a lab so that people can come in and talk about, you know, their R&O, for example, and then we share the stories uh, of that community. So while they're not uh, official and we don't pay for them, um, we work very closely uh, with them to, to make this project go and to, to make it feel like it's much bigger than it is feels big and, and certainly sounds uh, helpful to have so many folks engaged in, in working on this. Um, one of the other mm-hmm. things I, I wanted to ask about, because you've talked about video and you're obviously doing in-person kind of storytelling engagement and you've talked about kind of still image testimonials. Are mm-hmm. there other tactics uh, or tools that you're utilizing? And then have you found one to be more effective than, than another? 
Um, well, we do do audio stories, and those ones are handy for a couple of things. You know, occasionally we get folks who are just like, nope, I hate video. I won't do video. Forget it. Not going to do that. Sure. <laughs> but they'll, right? But they'll sit down and they'll, they'll talk to you yeah. o- over an audio device. You know, that just makes them more comfortable. So we do that. Um, we also utilize that, for example, if we've done a, a big video story and we did a, cre- a really good interview um, that was all along these lines, but something went a little bit tangential to that. And it didn't quite fit in the story, but gosh, it's a great story. So we'll do an audio file for that instead of just, you know, losing it all together. Um, or, or another example is we did a great um, history of drag in Denver project for pride. Well, a, a couple of folks that we interviewed for that told us their coming out story. Um, they didn't fit into that bigger pride story, but we absolutely use those for coming out day um, to be able to to celebrate that and actually have uh, stories from our community about what it was for them to come out. So those are some examples of what we do. Um, And as far as which is most effective, um, I mean, our our bread and butter is definitely the video element. especially because in in this day and age, folks tend to find content on um, social or through social media. And we have tried to uh, invite them into our content through those channels. And and video is is very popular in that arena right now. Um, We also do have a cable well, we have a couple of cable stations, and we run our, our videos on on those stations as well. Is that what you mean? Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I think, you know, video has been something we've been spending a lot of time introducing a lot of our clients to, and um, and they love it. I mean, and it's so useful. There's so much you can do with it. Um, I just think I'd love to see you know, in the lo- having having yourself kind of been in journalism and media and then coming to local government, I'm sure you can see that sometimes we're a little bit behind in local government on some of these newer mm-hmm. technologies mm-hmm. and approaches. And so, but there's such amazing tools, um, especially when it comes to engaging uh, community members, especially the ones that, you know, aren't going to come to the town hall meeting, uh, you know, that. Right. So it, right. it is, you're, right. you're kind of demonstrating that. Yeah, well, and let me let me talk about that for just a minute. Um, video is a good tool uh, where, you know, I come from print journalism. That's where the bulk of my experience was. And I'm a writer. I'm, I'm working on a novel. I mean, I'm, I love written word. And we've actually done what has surprised me, a, a, a much smaller amount of written word. Because what we find is when you go into community and you ask folks to write a story, that's hard for most people to sit down and, and write their story. That, that's just not a comfortable space for them. But you ask them to just tell their story and you warm them up by letting them, you know, get to know their neighbors and, and tell stories together so that they feel like, oh, you know, they get immediate response where people are sometimes they're crying or they're laughing or they're clapping or whatever it is. And it gives them a little bit of confidence to get in front of a video camera and, and actually tell that story. Um, that, that, that has been, we walk out of there always feeling like, holy crap, this is just the best job ever because um, we, we are, we are 
we are touching people who who frequently feel like they've been just completely forgotten and helping them understand that they matter, their voice matters, we care about them. And um, I have to say this because I know your audience is city government or, or government. Um, one of the things I have, I have been testing and, and I, I think it is completely bearing itself out is for so many years I've, I've worked in, well, for my whole career, I've worked to try and push out information, to give people things and ask mm. them to absorb it. Yeah. And this project flips that on its head. My, my premise now is we need to hear people. We need to listen to them. And maybe, maybe, maybe down the road, they will want to hear from us because we will have shown them who, that we're not this monolith, um, that we are individual people. And that while, you know, they may look at, you know, quote unquote government and, and not like things that get done there, that it's made up of people. And there are a lot of really great people who work in government and who are doing, you know, heavy lifting every single day to try to serve community and, and to serve people who, who don't even know what we're doing, who don't care what we're doing, who only care that the, the road is clear and the trash is picked up. Um, but we're, we're more than that. And we want to be able to engage people and, and let them know what we do. But we also want to know what they need us to do. And while we're, we're a new project and we haven't got to this point yet. My hope is that we will get to a point where people are able to inform policy and inform what's happening in the city because we will have a different level of engagement and they'll be able to talk to us and we'll be able to bring that information and, and actually act on it in a, in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. You know, and you brought up an interesting point too. This is something I've thought about a bit when, you know, as you said, it's a lot of this is one-way communication typically with local governments. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we expect, you know, because we've been laser focused on this project, this is all we know and care about. And we think that everybody else lives <laughs> in that world, right? And and they don't. They just want their streets to be clear, mm-hmm. right? When it snows or, right. or whatnot. And so have you all thought about doing um, stories from that individual perspective of your staff folks in the city and county government so that people can see them as people as well? We absolutely have. And that is something that we want to do um, to to help people understand that, you know, we we are individuals. We are members of the community. Um, We we care about the city because we're part of the city. And and most of us or many of us have had lots of careers. And, you know, that this city job is is one of, of many and but many of us wound up here because we do care about our city and we want to see things get better in the city for our kids and from our, for our neighbors and, and people we care about. Um, so yes, we, we do hope to do that. Um, but here's an important distinction. I mean, even now we're, we're doing stories um, about government, but my philosophy is I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not a PR arm. I'm, I'm not a news arm. What 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 we're doing is if if we're revealing what the city's doing, we're going to do it from the community perspective. For example, um, the, our, our office of financial empowerment helps folks get their finances in order. They help them get banked. They help them improve their credit score. We have lots of stories of people who have, you know, gone from losing their house because their son was hurt and they had to quit their job to take care of them, and they're living in their car to 
you know, this person now works in the city and, and just bought a house and, mm-hmm. you know, partially through our counseling services got there. But we're not talking about the counseling services. We're talking about the person who has lived this. And then, oh, you know, how did, how did that happen? Or how did she get there? Well, through this. And, and that's, you know, the way we're handling it is that may be seen as secondary, but like you talked about, the people who are out and, and maybe needing these services, they don't, they don't see it the way we do. They don't live it. They don't care. They, they have a problem that they need solved and they just need somebody to tell them and preferably somebody who looks like them and has mm. experience to say, oh, you know, this, this is something that helped me um, because they don't see themselves as us but they do see themselves as their neighbor or somebody who's experienced that. And so it it just, it opens a new door in my mind to people who who may not have paid attention to us before. And before you ask me another question, I want to give you an example of, of how I think this thing works. And I really think it works. Um, Last year during the pilot, we did several storytelling labs and we're just testing things. You know, does this work? Does that work better? Mm -hmm. Um, How are the partners part of it, et cetera. Um, and we we had done uh, we partnered on a, a project called Undesigned the Red Line, and it was um, at a Denver Public Library. And we, we talked about the history of redlining in the city, and we did a storytelling lab around it, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was so successful that we figured out a way to move it into one of the city buildings, into the atrium there, and 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 talking about well, how do we you know, the news is going to think, we already wrote this story. Why do we want to write it again? We need to give them something else. So, or, or you know, at least do something else that, that serves us. And we sort of opted for the latter and invited the folks who had participated in our storytelling labs the opportunity to come and join the mayor to kick off this exhibit that had moved into the web building. And so we had a podium, we had, you know, microphone, we, the mayor was going to speak, I spoke, and I sent out an email to folks and said, hey, do you want to come and tell your I Am Denver story? Um, I got, we had about, a, you know, 100 people who had participated at that early point in time, and 10 of those people said they wanted to come on that day and tell their story. And it was the week before Christmas, you know, the wow. city building was super quiet, um, we, you know, we didn't know if who would show up. I, I had all these other, you know, our partners and everybody lined up with a program figuring, you know, even if two or three people show up, we'll be covered. This will be great. About 60 people show up. Um, you know, how many people showed up or, or, or first raised their hand and said they wanted to come? Ten. Ten percent of those people said they wanted to come. Mm-hmm. You know how many people actually showed up on the day of the event? Ten. 10 people showed up. I mean, I've been doing this a while and you never get a hundred percent participation ever. But the, the, my theory is the reason they showed up is because we had a different relationship. I wasn't just asking them to do things. I wasn't just forcing information on them. They were part of my community. They knew me as a human being. They knew this project in a different way, and it was a personal way. And they were excited to come and further it and be part of it and share their stories. And, and you know, let's be honest. Were all those 10 stories the best stories ever? No. But people stayed, and they listened. And that was a long program to get, you know, a dozen people to speak. 
but they were laughing, they were crying, they were sharing. It was really, really a lovely way to spend, you know, what wound up being like over an hour. But I just, to me, that is uh, an example of how this is a different kind of engagement and how it works. That is a really great example. And it, it makes me want to ask the question here, like, because that is your job and your role to mm-hmm. engage like that, um, not everyone is going to be in a situation where that's all they have, they need to engage about, right? We have, a, you know, a, a new bike pedestrian trail going up. We've got capital improvement projects. We have other things that we actually do need to engage the community on. What would be your advice for how to keep that level of knowing people on an individual level and still being open and hearing stories when we also have other objectives we have to meet? I think, you know, many of our comms people are really super taxed and, you know, trying to keep up with media requests, with speech writing with talking points with you know all the various facets of our of our responsibilities um and and when we do have particularly if if there's any kind of controversy around it those responsibilities get amplified and you know grow exponentially very quickly so one of the benefits that we have i think because we have an office of storytelling is that we have the opportunity to augment what they're already doing. Um, I'm not going to necessarily change what they're doing. We're too small a team to to be able to to do that across the city at this point in time. But um, for example, uh, there's a, a historic area here called Loretta Heights, and it's it, it was a university. It was a convent. It's one of the highest points in Denver. It's a very iconic building. Um, it's been, you know, an educational place for, I don't know, a hundred years probably, and it's going to get redeveloped. And we've had, you know, several meetings, the plan just got approved by city council. Um, but what we're doing now is we're going out and we're interviewing a nun who Mm. has not only lived on the campus and really knows the history, but she has been part of this group that has been meeting and, you know, working with the developer and developing the plan for the community on on what this is going to look like and what the community wanted. We're going to capture her story, but we're going to do it in a couple different ways. One, we're capturing it as um, history, right? This is Loretta Heights. But then we're also asking her questions about, you know, what her hopes are for the the development, for the community, um, for the buildings that are there, uh, kind of looking forward as well. And what we'll do is, you know, we'll allow the the historic element of that to to exist as its own piece, um, for hopefully for the future, that people look back and, oh, wow, that was Loretta Heights. Mm-hmm. But we're also doing a, a separate element where we'll interview, you know, use that part of her interview, but we'll also interview um, folks in the city or the developer. We're still figuring all this out, but um, other folks and then do another piece that um, is more focused on what's going to happen to help the community understand and then link to whatever resources there are, whatever plans there are. You know, the, the, the meetings are kind of done at this point, but 
to help people understand better what, what's happening and what timelines are and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I feel like that's how we sort of augment that mm-hmm. effort across the city. Mm-hmm. So is it it's still true to, say- to our mission? Yeah, <laughs> it sounds mm-hmm. like it is. And so would you say it's fair to say that having an office like yours with staff like yours that are doing the kind of work that you're doing actually can help make it easier for other departments and agencies to do a more effective kind of equitable engagement process for projects and planning efforts? Yeah, I think I think we're working in that direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're still brand new and we're yes. still getting our legs under us and we're still a teeny tiny team. But I think the potential for that is great. And, and it goes back to um, the, the example I just gave. This is a different kind of community engagement and we're developing a different kind of relationship. Now, you know, how does that get, get sustained? How, how does that work out eventually? I, can't tell you, um, but I can tell you that from our first quarter to our second quarter, our traffic doubled, and that the you know like everybody, we put a little bit of money to boost our posts on Facebook, but it's a very little bit of money, and the the, the numbers show that our traffic is coming seventy five percent organically, not wow. from those boosted posts. So we're hitting something that people want and that they're sharing at the, at that they're engaging with. So, I mean, you know, all, all the, the indicators are positive and, you know, I, I do have high hopes that, that we can change um, how our residents interact with the city through this project. So I feel like I could talk to you for like two more hours, but I know <laughs> We don't have that kind of time, but uh, this has really been amazing. And I kind of want to, my last couple of questions here, focus more on possible replicability for some of our listeners out there. Um, You know, certainly Mm -hmm. not every community is a a large city and and certainly having a consolidated city county government. um, What, you know, and I know Detroit and Atlanta also have chief storyteller positions out there. Are there certain things, um, activities, or you know, steps that you would recommend maybe a smaller community could take to just get started filling that storyteller void? I mean, I think a, uh, a simple way to do it is to seek out partnerships. Like, you know, for us, the Denver Public Library, local university, local historical societies, um, and help them help you. You know, it, it's it's really about, even if you don't have, I mean, come on, all of us have phones now, right? And and they have amazing photo capabilities and video capabilities and audio capabilities. Almost anybody can go out and actually talk to people in their community and you know, like if you go to StoryCorps, for example, I'm a huge fan of theirs. Um, they give away their questions. You can you can go on there and you can figure out, okay, I'm talking to uh, people about whatever. And, and they'll give you some sample questions. Someone in a small community could, you know, arrange with a, a local group, a local library to invite some community members in and just listen to their stories and play around with recording some of those stories and 
you know, finding a place to put them. We all have websites, we all have social media, being able to share those kinds of stories. So even if it weren't quite as big, it's it's still um, giving you an opportunity to engage in a different way with community. And I mean, because this is so community driven, what works in Denver might not work in a, in one of those small towns, but surely if you if you make an effort and you you react to what your own community likes and what you know about them i think you know everybody could do some aspect of this the most important thing is that it's about listening and and you know letting go of the the media idea of it the pr idea of it and 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 really engaging community in a way that is about what they want and what they need and not necessarily what what we need um, to, to open up different lines of communication. That's an amazing point to end on. You know, really, I, I really love that because it is so much, and we do it, and we don't mean to, I think, in the local government mm-hmm. space, but we do come at it with our priorities and our values, and don't you know this is so important, rather than that that reverse flip of talk to us. We're listening. We're here to listen, and you just tell us about your story. Um, I think that's a really important message to, to end this on. And really, Rowena, I want to thank you so much and, and congratulations on all the amazing work that you're doing. We'd, we'd love to keep tabs on you and maybe circle back in six months or so and see uh, what new stories you have for us, if you'd be up for that. Oh, I would totally be up, up for that. I'm so excited about this project and, and clearly love to talk about it. So <laughs> please do. Well, and we love listening to your stories about it. So (laughs) thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll look forward to staying in touch. Good luck with everything. Awesome. Thank Thank you you for joining this episode of SAS Talk with Kim. You can listen to other podcasts in our sustainability action series at sastalkwithkim.com. Remember that action is the key to your community's sustainable future. What will you act on today?